Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast, and uh, we're in August, the dog days of summer. Uh, the dog days of I am absolutely going crazy here with no hockey, but we got a little sprinkling of hockey news, um, including uh, a captain uh, that is named and um, has a regular team name uh, since the team that he transferred one tra- changed theirs to something incredibly stupid. I'm Weldy here sitting with Andrew, and um, do you know what a Garnet Charger is? <laughs> It's a red colored phone battery uh, charging device. I was going to try to just say that without saying charger, but that's you know, it's redundant. But It's like a Boost Mobile. It's like the uh, battery pack on a Boost Mobile phone. Yeah. Or a Hello Moto, if you remember those. Or am I, am I just dating myself there? Singular? Singular is still around? There you go. Um yeah, I don't know if you. I don't know what Ke- have... Kevin Garnett has to do with Union College either, but I suppose with one T that's refers to the Big... what, gemstone Garnett, which is like a red color, which I gather Big... is one of their official colors. They get around the copyright that way, I think, for Garnett. So, um, yeah, it's just a yeah. mo- it's a mouthful. It's one. I think you can't have more than three syllables in a team nickname any more than that it's it's just too much it's, it's a hat on a hat yeah. it is just go with chargers i mean there's other it's... programs that use chargers i don't think the san diego chargers have that like trademarked because like huntsville used to be the chargers well, i guess they still are but just don't have a hockey team anymore but because they said it's like, you know, Albany has like a history of electricity producing plants or whatever. So Charger, you know, that makes some historical sense. But putting Garnett in front of it is just, it's too, it's trying to be too cute. And it's just too much of a mouthful. I'll say, I mean, I don't really know what was wrong with Dutchman. The only thing that I can come up with as far as it's one of those names, it's a gendered name so for Union's women's team, which is like opening the season against the Huskies coming up here. Uh-huh. Like, would they be like Dutch women? That's another mouthful, kind of. And it sounds crass. It sounds like Dutch women sounds like something that North Dakota fans would yell uh, as a taunt at a St. Cloud game. So I bet, I bet they have. <laughs> yeah, and maybe so. something that rhymes with, with Dutch. Um, but, uh, you know, Speaking of that, um, kudos to Union then for not really dragging out the process. I mean, this came as a surprise to me. It was just all of a sudden, hey, by the way, we're changing our name. This is it. And then I mean, if done. you're going to change your name to something <laughs> so, stupid, do this it quick. is probably the best way to do it. Because yep. if you would have announced we're retiring the name and we're crowdfunding, crowdsourcing uh, different ideas, and people would just logo. people would have been angry about why are you canceling Dutchman, and then the whole process would have been sort of a dog and pony show, and and then no one would have been it would have been people would have been unhappy again once the nickname the new nickname came out. So you just kind of rip the band aid off and one right here, change the the old one, announce the new one, wipe your hands of it like the uh, casino uh, blackjack dealer, and yep. then just take the guff uh, on 
the website formerly known as Twitter and call it a day. So from there, from like a crisis management standpoint, I think it's as well done. A as plus in that possible. aspect. Right. Yeah, ex- exactly. I did not know uh, Garnett uh, was a shade of red. I believe so... it's a, it's a birthstone. I think it's the January birthstone. So if you're born in January, I think that is the official birthstone of January. And so, and again, all red, kind of like a ruby. It's like a red colored gemstone. And I think that's where the name derives from huh. the color. No kidding. It is the January birthstone. See? My birthstone is in March. Or my uh, my birthday is in March. So that's why I wouldn't know that. Was that opal? No. I think topaz uh, is topaz is one. I think that's like November. Uh, aquamarine. Turquoise is one, I think. I don't know why we're going over birthstones, but this is the off-season, <laughs> the off-season. podcast. Yeah, right, so, exactly. What's December? I, uh, uh, December's birthstone? Yeah, because that's my birthday. Uh, Sapphire? T- topaz. It is Topaz? Okay, I thought Topaz was Turquoise. Was Wait, why? I just Googled, and they have like three. I think these designations aren't necessarily official. They might have evolved over the years. I'll take both of them. I'll take turquoise and topaz because they're both uh, words that start with T. And well, see, now I'm looking at somewhere else. It says turquoise, tanzanite, and zircon are the. Ooh, I like words. zircon. I like what is yeah. zircon? I've heard of zircon. The other one you said I didn't. I hadn't heard of. What was the the middle one you said there? Tanzan Tanzania. Tanzanite. Tanzanite. Never heard Tanz- of that one. Samsonite. I was Zircon I have. That's like used in some high-end jewelry. And it starts with a Z, which is always fun. Ooh. So, but Aren't you I'll take Zircon. If I got the choice here and you've given me like five options, I'll take Zircon out of those. Yeah, I don't know why you get so many. I'm stuck with Aquamarina. That's another cool, off. cool word to say, though. It is a cool word to say, but it just reminds me of that terrible movie from the 90s. What, like Aquaman? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Not the 90s. 2006. What movie was I thinking of that was from the 90s that was of the same vein about a mermaid coming to life? The Little Mermaid? Little Mermaid. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I think so. It's a classic. Ariel. She's yeah. one of the better Disney princesses, if you ask me. What are we, like, yeah. five minutes in and we're talking Disney princesses and <laughs> birthstones? Yeah, I, I really tried to turn this right to Dylan Anhorn not being called... A oh yeah, chart. that's right. Like, and that was the four... whole point of my start, and then we just we just go off the rails. But, Former like Garnet Charger. Well, I guess he wasn't a Garnet Charger. He, he wasn't was a Gar- still a Dutchman, but but you know, from Garnet to Cardinal uh, with the Huskies. There we go. A better shade of red, year, but now announced as the captain. And remind me, he was not an assistant captain last year, correct? Correct. So he was at the C, and then we got a couple of assistants named as well. And yep. I'm sure you've got the notes. Okabe, I know, is one. Who else? Yep. Uh, Molinar and uh, Ludke. And Ludke. I know that yep. we speculated who was going to be the captains. Uh, we thought for sure Solquist. <laughs> like, and I... that was surprising that he was not part of it. I don't know if we mentioned. I think we mentioned the others as possibilities. I don't think we mentioned Molinar, think... though. Perhaps we did just because he is a senior. And those are a lot of times like the simplest guess, like it's generally going to be seniors that are named captain, but I can't remember if we discussed him or, or not, but yeah, Solquist was, I mean, Larson, it, 
if the captains are selected how I think they are, which is by the team, yeah, him not having Larson's vote um, probably really crimped his chances. If the coaching staff had a vote, I bet you Salkwist would have yeah. would have carried the day at least with an A. Um, and but all kidding aside, it's a good group of captains, and congratulations to Anhorn in particular for slapping the C on the jersey. It's a big Which, task. I mean, you you called back in like April. Uh, I think maybe not, maybe not like exactly the captain? captaincy, but like for sure him coming back. Um, well, again, as, as we've said, the shotgun salute, the shotgun crutch, uh, the, sh- the shotgun crutch was really a big tip off as it turned out. And it was a tip off that he was going to be named a captain. Uh, we should have just put all the pieces together right there. Now, the only other piece that needs mm-hmm. to drop is that he's a top 10 Hobie finalist at the end of the year, which is also That's my prediction. Which so. uh, I, I I agree with. You know what? I'm going to go even further. Um, if gonna, we're going to go gonna on our wild, he's going to win the whole thing. Gonna I was going to say hat trick, but okay. I, I I still have that sneaking feeling of like a lingering injury, so I'm just going to go with top ten. But pencil yours in for sure, and listeners, all he's going to come out you, four please. points against St. Thomas. Oh, he'll rack up some points against the Thomas. <laughs> So it's too bad that we don't have Wisconsin on the schedule this year. Oh man. Those, I have, know. Been, those have been nice little stat patterns. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, still got, you know, Mankato's kind of rebuilding. They're kind of like, well, I guess Mankato turned into Wisconsin, but you know, the current Mankato team, it's not like they got uh, some Wisconsin rejects themselves, but we can beat up on Mankato, I think this year. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really interested in how Mankato is going to go and proceed for the season. Um, you know, considering, you know, if you want to kind of put a similarity to it is, you know, similar to Motsko leaving for the Minnesota and, you know, where St. Cloud um, was that, you know, the huge difference is that we still had a pretty loaded cabinet and there was no transfer portal. Um, right. And that's the big thing that happened. So it's going to be really interesting to see how, you know, what path kind of uh, Mankato ends up kind of taking here over the next couple of years. Well, and, and I know one that of my actually non Husky kind of big storylines that I'm looking at um, big picture. Oh, for sure. Uh, I agreed with that because I don't, I think I said it on a previous podcast. I, I don't, I can't pen- pencil in Mankato as the prohibitive favorite in the CCHA that we've, which we've had, which we've done in the last several years. I, I just don't mm-hmm. think they're, far and away the best team in that conference anymore. Um, they still very well might win it, but I, I would almost take, you know, certainly the field other than them to, to win it because of just the uncertainty of, of who else they got back. Remind me too, when, when a coach leaves, I think they have had a transfer period prior to the transfer portal <clears throat> based on if your coach that you were recruited by took another job. I still can't remember if you still had to sit out a year in that case. Maybe they waived it if it was a coaching change exception. I don't but think so. I, I, I think you still I had to right sit because, out a year. Well, I mean, so St. Cloud lost Bryce Brodzinski when Monsko bolted, and he was a recruit. Obviously, he wasn't mm-hmm. on campus yet. So recruits can change commitments. You know, obviously, they're not their, – their college, college eligibility clock hasn't started yet, so they don't need to sit out. But And they may have lost – did they lose any other, certainly not, no, another high-end recruits when Motsko bolted 
but I wouldn't be surprised if there were some changes there, there typically are, but yeah, you, you're right in that the amount of um, attrition from that coaching change was pretty vastly different based on what's in place now with the transfer portal. It's interesting to speculate if the transfer portal was in place back in 2018 when yeah. Matsko left, if, if St. Cloud would have been able to rebuild into the juggernaut they continued to be in 2019 under, under Larson's first year, probably not based on it's likely that some more guys would have either followed Matsko or just found a, another team to play for because they weren't able to play for Matsko anymore. So yeah, that's interesting to speculate, but. I have, People have time, obviously, after this podcast because uh, you don't want to miss a second of this show. Uh, but um, Robbie Jackson was on with McHatton on the Rink Live um, uh, for an episode, and I did ask a couple of questions, and one of them that I did ask uh, did involve uh, that coaching change, and it was just kind of interesting to hear how Robbie kind of answered that question because um, he was – he was fairly frank um, with it, but at the same time, you could tell he was holding back a couple of things. So it was, you know, it was just kind of interesting. So if you get a chance, go back to the history and kind of listen to that. Robbie obviously is one of the best personalities to put on a Husky, Husky uniform. So Indeed. Um, yeah. Uh, Lukey Molinar Okabe. Um, Okabe here is knocking on the door i believe of 100 points uh he's at 95 i always kind of like at the beginning of the season to go like uh century watch just to kind of see who is close to hitting that uh that that uh, next milestone um so yeah okabi there at uh at 95 uh mietnan right now is at 83 um and uh, where's, yeah, I think everybody else is a little bit further back. So. But, and uh, I would, so I would imagine Okabe here is going to hit it, you know, fairly soon um, into the season. Um, if he doesn't, I think that's going to be kind of bad news for the Huskies because right. I don't know. Um, we'll get in it a little bit more in our uh season preview podcast here in the next couple of weeks, but um, where was yeah, he at? What scores. did you say? What's his points right now? 95. Oh yeah. Yeah. He'll, he might get that in the St. Thomas weekend. He, he might. So, yeah. yeah. And the I mean, mentioning seniors and how they typically assume the role of captain. The only senior that's on the roster, or I guess Okabe, I believe technically is a fifth year player. Um, mm-hmm. But so fifth year player slash senior, that aren't new to the team. So you got Carl Falk transferring from uh, Alaska Fairbanks. Carl! And you've got... Uh, I got to get that soundbite. Remind me to get that soundbite. Okay. I'm not sure where it's from, but I'm sure it's a, a it's great front-heavy 70s musical. Uh, Like what? Like Rush? Or no, like a musical, like a music man. You 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 oh, wax poetic about music, your love of okay. musicals. Music, the, the tradition okay, bit, I, which I again that one went over my head. That was a filler on yep. the roof yep. reference, I believe. Um, uh-huh. So, what's the Carl reference from? Uh, from The Walking Dead. It's uh, a TV show on AMC. Oh, what's AMC? Uh, that was yeah. a car company back in the seventies. Yeah, it's uh, definitely um, now produces shows about. 
uh, meth is kind of what that's, AMC is. That's really their to. niche right now. Wh- which I mean, I mean, I loved, uh, I love Better Call Saul. So you quit that, didn't you? Didn't no, you I finished it. Oh, the second half sucked, but and oh. it didn't. In total, I think you'd agree it doesn't come close to matching Breaking Bad. But no, I, I finished it. I I plowed through it. Um, so yeah, ports who I kind of swung and missed there. I thought maybe the local connection, maybe be like, Oh, ports will be one of the captains, but, but he's not obviously uh, among these named, uh, captain. So really the only like returning senior for the Huskies that wasn't named captain was VD Mietnan and, and Bassey, I suppose, but goalies rarely wear letters. So yeah. not terribly surprising based on, I guess it might be surprising that it's Mietnan, um, and not, or that Mietnan was passed over and Lutke was, you know, the, the lone uh, non-senior to be named among the captains. So mildly surprising there, but I even think that we mentioned Lutke as a possibility as well as, you know, mm-hmm. guys like Meyer have worn letters for multiple years. And with him being a, a letter wearer this year, if he sticks around for a, for another year after that, probably good odds on chance that he's wearing the C next year. Um, yep. This way he can cover get his feet wet in a captaincy role and, learn from Anhorn and maybe move into that position next year. Maybe we should root against that because maybe he's had such a good year this year that he turns pro who knows, but um, uh, keep a pin in that because I think that's a decent uh, stab for next year's captains, but not not to get too far ahead of ourselves. Congratulations on the four captains named for the 2023, 2024 season. And, uh, over the off season, just in case you're wondering, uh, Mietnan still has yet to take a penalty. That's right. So zero PIM in three zero years. PIM in three. He years. took a penalty, or at least a couple, in juniors because I remember checking that last year, the first time that I realized that he hadn't taken a penalty in college. So he has taken a penalty at some time in his life. <laughs> at some um, time, it is on the books just... that yes, a penalty was taken. And I'm sure maybe we should ask him somehow um, what the circumstance of that penalty was. Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if it, like, they brought him to the box, but it was somebody else's that made the actual hit. The refs just screwed it up. Or, or if it was like a too many, too many men penalty, shot the puck in the crowd or something. I don't know if that's a rule in the USHL or not. But I, I, I'm skeptical that it was anything more than like a technical penalty. You know what I mean? Like a contact-related penalty. Maybe we can verify that somehow, but yeah, still with the zero. We should, we should maybe have like a prop bet um, going on. We should, we should each pick a ref and then be like, who is going to give him the first penalty? He's going to get some type of hokey obstruction hooking call. I mean, they don't call obstruction anymore. I'm showing my age there, but like, I don't know. He's going to get some kind of hokey call. Six nothing blowout victory. They just to even up some of the stats and they give them some kind of. I don't know. We should we should pick a ref. Well, we'd have to get you know teams have come out like the Huskies women's team, for instance, just came out with like their freshman roster, new freshman for this year. Uh, the men's side did the same a couple of weeks ago. We need that similar kind of press release for NCHC refs because there's always a couple that drop off and new ones that are added and it's not like a stable roster. It seems like some of our favorites have been kind of 
going by the wayside. Todd Anderson hung him up uh, a couple years ago. Um, you know, Marco Hunt is like in charge Marco. of officiating in the CCHA, <laughs> which just gives me shivers. Um, but so, I mean, we're, we're losing some. I mean, of to our, be fair, he went classics. to a he went to a league where they don't know when to end a game. So I mean, it's call a perfect people fit. back onto the yeah, it's, it's fine. So yeah, I, 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 the first guy that comes to mind is Tom Stearns. Uh, Drager is another one. He's kind of an over caller. Um, yeah, so maybe pick a ref and then pick the infraction. Like I'm thinking it could be like, a, as you said, like a end of the game, kind of maybe one of those scrums where they just give out like three penalties aside at the aside, 19 minute yes. mark of a six to two game. And maybe he's just nicked for something that he really didn't do, but the refs are just like, yeah, well, we're just going to even it up. We're not making a power yeah. play for anybody, but we just got to, we just got to put our foot down and get control of the game. It might be something like that where it's going to be like me and it wasn't even on the, on the ice and be like, what, what, why me? Um, but <laughs> it's just, yeah. Cause I'm skeptical that it's going to be anything really egregious that he earns the penalty. You know, it's kind of interesting. I'm just kind of going through the box scores right now. I don't know a lot of these refs, and maybe that's for the best. It seems to have but... been some more turnover uh, in recent years. Like Binda, I okay. remember he was a ref for a while, and he, but he's he's no longer refing in the conference. Okay, Tim Walsh sounds familiar. Yeah, Walsh Walsh is there. But he's a, he's Sullivan. Yes, yeah, Sullivan. Not so not so familiar with him. Uh, Sullivan Probably. and Hersey did the uh, championship game for the, okay. at the Frozen Faceoff. Did they? Did Sullivan also do? Because the NCHC refs had the NCAA title game. I think Sullivan might have been one of the refs for the title game. You can check that because he's the guy after Quinnipiac scores the game winner. He's like sliding and he knocked over the ref. Like in in the follow through of scoring the goal, and it's a funny clip because the ref like. Like he's trying to stop himself from falling, but there's nothing he can do that kind of gets crashing into the boards and he goes like ass over head. Mm-hmm. I think that might've been Sullivan, but yeah. I know it certainly wasn't NCAC crew. For the title. Yeah. Sullivan and Hersey were the refs in that game. I think it was Sullivan, but it, it may have been Hersey. I'm not familiar with God, that. Name, I but totally I'm sure. forgot. I totally forgot up until now. Well, how, how could you forget? If you were like me, you were looping that game winning goal for like 60. <laughs> well, not the goal. I forgot. Hours. I've like, I, I forgot how much they let off the gas. What was, <laughs> what was Motsko doing? They were outshot 14 to two in the third. Uh, <laughs> go back to the, last podcast of the regular season, or I guess the one that we would recap the title game. Cause yeah, we went, we spent a lot of that podcast just marveling at the, at the Motsko stall that he implemented there and kind of the two halves of the game, but it's a classic. That one's going to be at least just the game winner or, you know, just the puck drop in overtime. It's just, Just, yeah, just the whole, yeah. 10 seconds in overtime. will kind of do it. So, um, just uh, to kind of put a bow then on uh, the freshman coming in, that was uh, made official. Um, and um, pretty much, I think we were right on the money with everyone. Um, uh, no surprise, Warren Clark was able to kind of sneak in there. Um, a righty defenseman, which I'm always really excited for. Um, uh, then there's uh, Tynan Ewert. 
uh, Tyson Gross, Barrett Hall, Werner Mietnin, uh Jack Ryman, uh, Kale Thiessen, and then Isaac Posh is the goalie. So, um, who was the righty defenseman that you mentioned? Was that um, Clark? Lauren Clark? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, it's a, certainly an intriguing freshman class. Obviously, of the like most intrigue, I think they're all sort of intriguing, but I'm especially excited to see Clark draft pick by the lightning this summer. And then also excited to see uh, of the, of the forwards. I think Barrett Hall is the most intriguing for me. Also a draftee he was drafted last year, but then some of these, these later commits like that Ewart um, who committed fairly late, fairly late. I'm going to say like May or something just a couple of months ago. Uh, he had a great year in Canadian juniors. And so he seems like I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect Clark to rack up a bunch of points or maybe even play every game. Like he might be scratched at least in the early part of the season, a decent amount just because he's, you know, so young and it's going to take him a little bit to acclimate to the older league with the NCHC. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's more of a part-time player just to start, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he, asserts his, his himself and becomes a regular towards the end of the year. But I'm not going to expect even like a 10-point season offensively from him. Whereas a guy like Ewart, who is older and seasoned from the uh, junior standpoint, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not going to say he's going to be Anhorn 2.0, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised he gets power play time and, um, you know, 15, 20 points. I, I, don't, I don't think that's unreasonable to expect and because you know, he's a guy with a track record of, of lots of success, I believe in what the was it Alberta or Manitoba it was one of those two leagues. I believe that he was playing in, but um, big part it's of the their championship winning team. It was Saskatchewan, so I knew it was one of the Prairie provinces. But uh, a solid career one there. Of those, and I mean, I don't know if it's harsh or not, but I'm starting to call those the wildfire provinces. It's, it's true. So. so. If, if our air quality has anything to say about it. Oh, that's right, because that, that's kind of, it, it really screwed with your guys' air quality for a while with those fires yeah. in, in Canada. That's right. So, yeah. It's, and, that, um, and now we're in an excessive heat warning. So it's, it's we're supposed cooling to be... off a little bit. It's, it hasn't been up to 100 in a couple of days. I actually went for an outside run on Saturday. I've been doing just treadmill for the last month plus. But actually, oh, we got. Yeah, we're I think uh, ninety six, ninety eight. We're flirting with yeah, that's definitely what we get. So oh yeah. yeah, oh but it's a dry heat. It is. It, we you don't really get the humidity that you guys do. So and the bugs. That's that's another plus. But hot's hot. So hopefully you can beat the heat. So, um, so one thing that I found was kind of interesting in the write up from uh, McHatton. Um, is uh, so it does look like we are shifting over Ingram to center. Really? Uh, okay, I missed that. To, but to start off the season, um, I think a good move. I had speculated so, that earlier, and I think that might be a position that clicks with him. We'll see. And again, that's another one where I wouldn't be surprised if he does do some shuffling, particularly on like a power play situation. He may play a wing on a power play here or there. Or if it just doesn't work out, like it did, it did. He didn't really find as, as much success at center last year than maybe we were hoping. But with that freshman uh, year under his belt, yeah, it's tough as a freshman coming in as a center. So, so. I, I, I think that might be a, a, a good decision. 
and I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're at least willing to try him back there because I think that could click. And that's where, um, so that has Ingram and Solquist. Those are two centers. Um, and then the other centers, you know, just by the looks of it, are going to be between the freshmen, Werner and Tyson Gross, Jack Ryman. Ryman or Ryman? We got to, we got, I got to straighten that out. Let's go with um, Ryman. I, for now. Ryman? Perfect. Ryman. We should so, know, my, my name has R-I-E at the start as well, and it's Reese. So maybe I should be consistent here. But everyone that calls us, like, they also, they think, like, is Mr. Rise available? Like, that's not my name, but so, I get so it then do you, do you just say no? I say Reese. Just say no, that's, that's not me. I haven't had one of those. I, I don't really get the oh. robocalls that I used to, but... Um, but it's a it's it's understandable like lies like usually I E will have the long I sound so I get it but so yeah um yeah so Ryman he played center in juniors I think we have what three guys among the forwards that have center experience at the junior level I think yeah also Riseboro Rosboro on the team I know he has played some thinking of Doug Riseboro. It's a different human being. Um, but I know he had some ex- some center experience, at least in juniors, and then I think in his first year, which he barely played, I know I think he had some ice time at center. Not, last year, I'm not sure if he played any center, but he's a guy that has some experience at the position, and if he is out of the doghouse, um, which I'm not sure of, because he really didn't play anything after the North Dakota Road Series last year, which is like the last month and a half. Uh, if he is getting ice time, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if the other options are freshmen. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Rosborough gets an opportunity to uh, have some center ice time. So we'll see. I, they have they have options. It's just a little. I'm a little anxious because uh, relying on freshmen in this league, the Big Ten, you can get away with that because it's a young league. But against the HC older league like this, it's hard to rely on freshmen uh, in so in such key roles. But if we've got some experience at the top end of, of the uh, depth chart, that at least gives me some hope that they're not going to be exposed to the extent of playing against other teams' top lines, for instance. So certainly um, keep an eye on that and and it'd be interesting how it all shakes out. Like at the end of the year, which are the four guys that get the most, have had the most center time, you know, pretty sure about Salquist. Uh, but even all the others, like it's, it's really up in the air and it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Kind of reminds me of uh, Rosborough is going to go the, the Nick Ryu career path where, <laughs> did something and Motsko didn't like, and then didn't touch the ice the rest of his career. <laughs> was he, so he played a lot his freshman year and then never played again. Cause then he had the opposite guys like um, Craig Godet. Oh, good day. Yeah. Play until his senior year. And then he was basically an every game defenseman. I mean, props to him for sticking it out till the end. But uh, I think Clark Cooster also kind of had that path barely played yeah. his first three years and then played that 1920 season his last year played 
a fair amount, if not every game. And so, yeah. um, Ryu played three years, uh, 08, 09, 23 games played, uh, and then one game and then two games. Really? Yep. I remember him more than I should based on that <laughs> amount of game time, like 25 games. And I still remember the name. It feels mm-hmm. weird, but. Yeah, you don't get on. We mentioned that, like in terms of like Ben Storm, or like, you get in the doghouse with Monsko. It's a, it's a tough uh, task to get out of it to right the ship after that. But um, we don't have to deal with that anymore. That's a gopher problem now. So yeah, yeah exactly. Which, um, uh, speaking of, um. Uh, you you did you did mention uh his his name there so i've got to go ahead and uh issue issue a correction don't i have a correction soundbar button here or did i not i don't remember but i know that you were working on expanding oh, that button bar here we go you done messed up oh, yeah, yeah. Ron. yep <laughs> there we go um i uh uh my my wife my lovely wife Filled out a oh geez what am I I'm blanking on the, uh, the my Google uh, form the for the all snub team snub team yep exactly she was like I don't know if I could name you know this many former hockey players and then yeah she just rattled off just a bunch of them out of nowhere um, so I said fill out the form and one of them was Big Ben Storm um, and then apparently she wasn't uh, I mean. You know, uh, apparently we uh, we had a little chuckle at uh, at the fact that he was on the list. So I, I made fun of my wife in that instance. So I want to apologize to her. Uh, oh, for, I think for, I laughed like uncontrollably <laughs> for like a few seconds for but. for not including or for for laughing at Big Ben Storm and also not saying Big Ben Storm because that had to have been like contractually on every game like he had to be called Big Ben Storm, not just Ben Storm. This is true. It's in the contract. Like, like no matter, no matter what, too. Like, no matter if it was a home game, if it was Jim Rich calling, or if it was anywhere in a wear game, if it was Starman, it didn't matter. He was always Big Ben Storm. Pretty on the nose. Yeah, you didn't really have many choices for a nickname with him. But <laughs> yeah, speaking of storms, if if you heard what looked sounded like a gunshot just now, that was actually a like the loudest clap of lightning thunder that I've ever experienced. And Jeez. I don't know if the, the, the microphone picked that up, but that was just like, I saw the lightning come in. That's sound like a firework. That was lightning. I thought that was your refrigerator making Thunder. noises. It got, I, I got a, a, a faulty refrigerator too. So yeah, there, it might be some weird noises in the background <laughs> um, other than the weird noise of my voice. The ghost of the off season. <laughs> yeah. Bear with, bear with me. If you do hear some weird, weird stuff in the background, but so, yeah. um, obviously, you know, we haven't, you know, seen these freshmen play or these incoming freshmen play. So we just have speculation here. Um, but, you know, obviously with the brother connection, I would assume we're going to start out with the Miettinens on the same line uh, and then just kind of kind of fill out the rest. And yeah, uh, has, uh, Werner has center experience, right? Correct. I wonder yep. if they... I wonder what, yeah, that I, who's going to take the opening draw, like that first line, maybe the two Mietnans and Okabe. I don't know. Like, it's going to be interesting to see who is on that first line. But 
but yeah, I think it's a good, I think it's a good freshman. Oh man. We, we should, we slot. should predict the first line too. Um, I'm going well, Salquist. We all, there, we already, off. we already predicted Salquist would be taking that opening draw. He's going to take off and then it's going to be, uh, pick. with Kupka and, uh, let's put ports out there. Why not? Yeah, I don't like <laughs> Just, it. Kupka, I guess so. he's another one of the freshmen or seniors that didn't get picked as captain. I forgot about him. College hockey news, their roster is complete trash. Uh, there's players that aren't coming in. There's players like Brady Zemer listed. And then guys like Kupka aren't, aren't listed. Uh, Okabe either. So just a horrendous uh, set of information here on the world's leading college hockey news website. So I know it's summer, but get it together, Woden. <laughs> Don't uh, don't tweet him at that though, because he'll come up with a litany of excuse responses back to you <laughs> about why. Oh man, you Sounds talk to like him about the app or anything. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it's it's almost comical how many excuses he'll just kind of come up with why it's not his fault. Um, but um, uh, but also uh, women who I think actually started practice. Um, again, um. You know, we're not going to know a lot about the incoming uh, fresh uh, faces for the women's team. Um, but uh, Jaden Britt, uh, defenseman from uh, Illinois. Sydney Bryant from Traverse City. Um, uh, Grace Delmonico from Egan, um, who piled up a ton of points at Gentry Academy. So I'm kind of really yeah. excited to see what she um, is going to offer uh, Greta Henderson, um, another one that had a lot of points in Saskatchewan. Um, yeah, she had 58 goals and 144 points in 58 games. So I mean, it's not bad. That's uh, that's all right. Um, so uh, Paige Hugendam uh, from uh, goalie from Ontario, uh, Kenzie Hope, uh, defenseman. From British Columbia, uh, uh, Marie Moran from Lakeville, um, who uh, was kind of a playmaker there for um, uh, for the Apple Valley Eagles. So it, um, yeah, it's uh, you know just what they're building, um, what Adolski is kind of building there. I've got a lot of a lot of. Um, hype kind of coming for this uh for this team in, in my like I, i'm really excited to see what the uh, women's teams can, uh what, what they can accomplish this year yeah i think it's about we mentioned they're playing union to start the year off and that's like that's still in september they get an earlier start to the year than the men mm-hmm. do so yeah i would not surprise that we're coming up with practices because the uh regular season is not too far away and it's yes in in the 90 degree weather of summer it's a nice uh reminder that hockey's not too far away if we've got uh St. Cloud practices starting God, i got to imagine the ice at the National Hockey Center is just slush <laughs> so with that re- with that refrigeration trying Bet to you those keep it nets cold are coming off a lot yeah practice the the moorings right. aren't holding uh, i wonder if that's going to be an issue this coming year, or if, you know, if they did anything to address that in the off season, because that was a uh, frequent, well, much too frequent problem last year. And it'd be nice if that didn't happen to the extent that it did. And 
So yeah. we'll see if that is the case. Also, alongside the uh, freshmen that were announced. They we should have a... another over-under on that. We should have. Yeah. You know what? Next podcast, I'm going to come up with prop bets. Do some. Yeah. I like that. And then, I, I think that's a good idea. And then we'll go. Uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Yeah. Let's come up with some good categories and we could certainly have some fun with that. Yeah. If you guys have uh, categories or prop bet ideas, um, go ahead and uh, at more clappers, M-O-A-R clappers. Yep. September 23rd against the Union Garnet Chargers uh, at home at the Herb. Uh, so circle that date. It's when the women start. And alongside the what, uh, freshman. What time is that at? Is that at seven? I, I don't have that on me. I'm just looking at Nick's uh, article here. I would assume it's at the, a, a night game because obviously the men don't play until October. So they would have the building themselves. I don't know why they wouldn't play at night. So we'll keep you up to date as far as what the game time is. Uh, before yeah, we just there. do not have times listed, do we? I don't think we have times for any of the men's games either. Okay. Um, in the abyss of college hockey summertime, you mentioned before the show, Big Ten still hasn't announced any any schedule, much not much less. Yeah, games. the conference schedule for the games Big Ten. released, other than the ones that have been announced by their opponents. Come on, Woden. Jeez. <laughs> but yeah, other, aside from the uh, the freshman class that you just announced for the women, you know, uh, a slew of transfers. Um, five transfers announced earlier this offseason, and they just picked up another one. Uh, Avery Farrell from Franklin Pierce University was their leading scorer for what that for you know for I don't even know what Franklin Pierce's nickname was the Franklin Pierce terrible presidents that's my that's the union esque like right. mouthful nickname that I'm what was he the twelfth president Franklin Lincoln was sixteen he was two before so fourteen I'm gonna oh, say fourteen. He was after Millard, Millard Fillmore. All of those 50, 1850s presidents were god-awful. Buchanan right. is the only sort of saving grace for Pierce not to be the worst president in American history. He was very bad. Very bad president. I'm surprised that he still his name still graces the, uh, the name of a university <laughs> based on sort of the modern trend of scrubbing out names of bad people in history. Um, but I, I'll, take a, I'll take a prop bet on that that Franklin Pierce University will be renamed by the end of this decade. You can write that one down. Uh, All right. I mean, if they're going to rename, like they renamed something from like uh, Woodrow Wilson based because he has an affiliation with, he used to be the president of Princeton University and they renamed some building in Princeton a couple years ago. Wilson himself, I would put in the top three worst presidents of all time as well. Um, and so if they're going to do it with Wilson, they can do it with Pierce, who I would say was worse than Wilson, although Wilson was terrible too. It's uh, <laughs> I've got more to say about Franklin Pierce than I do the president of than I do Avery Farrell, but it looks like a good pickup, and I think that she'll help <laughs> the Huskies this coming. Year. I don't think it'll hurt. Yeah, nope. And that's and that's where, you know, the Huskies for quite a long time, um, have really lacked some of that offensive firepower. Um, you know, usually Could use a finisher. Yeah, when they've won those games, um, you know, they've kind of hung on to a, a, you know, a shot disparity of, you know, 45 to 7. But they were able to to 
went off the backs of the amazing goaltending that we've had over the past decade, it feels like. Um, So. Um, And also with the women's team, we got an addition to the coaching staff. Oh, that's right. What Uh, was your favorite Billy Hengen moment? Well, in his time. Thank you a, for bringing that up because guess what I've got here? Random hey, box score random time. Box score? We got a random box score time. All right. Um, uh, which I guess kind of cheapens it. That's not really random because it's I not, did. Is it the 8 to 7 game? It is not the 8 to 7 game. I felt that that was too cliche. That Yeah. So. And that would be not random at all. Yeah. What was his years? Was, was he what, 03 to 07? Something like that. What was his time period for the Huskies? Uh, let me. What was he maybe oh four? I think. I think that's right. Yeah, I think he came a year before I was on campus, but I'm not positive. Let me. Let me take a look here. Um, oh two. Oh really? Came in that early. So O two yep. to O six, yep. So he would have been a senior on that eight to seven game team. Okay, I thought he he played a little. I, I thought he was a little younger than that, but wasn't too far off. So what's the box score you got? I just want to double check my work here because I am a thorough <sighs> this is journalist. Yeah, very important here to right. to nail this segment. <laughs> we can't we can't disgrace the. Uh... The great names here are Billy Hengen. Um, yes, correct. 14 games as a freshman, two assists in the 0203 season. Which still was a, I mean, they were a, a tournament qualifying team that, that year. So, but then, mm-hmm. well, and then the 0304 year, they were close. That was the year they sort of collapsed at the end. Which Down is what I got the box score from. 0304? Yep. Okay, so you were probably at this game because this was your freshman year, right? I was at this game. Yeah, I wasn't on campus until '04. So, but so I want to hear your if you have any personal recollections from the story or I remember this series to me is okay. just it just kind of sticks out to me. All right, so we'll um, and I think this series was actually kind of like. I wouldn't say it's the beginning of the end uh, because we did end up winning the next four afterwards. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, January 23rd against Minnesota State Mankato. And at this time, Minnesota State was atrocious. They were V bad. Was this um, like a seven to six barn burner? Um, uh, like St. Cloud, Cloud like blew a huge lead. Um, we'll get to it. Okay, um, right. I know in that time period there there were some wild Mankato St. Cloud games. Yep, and this is definitely one one. Uh John Campion was the ref. Okay. Um sixty-three uh hundred was the attendance. Uh so at St. Cloud. At St. Cloud, eight okay. to five victory for the Huskies. Okay. Uh St. Cloud won the total shots, uh forty-three to twenty-six. St. Cloud State went four for eleven on the power play. So it's a lot of penalties. Campion yep, exactly. was, was keeping a tight ship that game. 
Let me guess. Uh, Jason Montgomery in net? Uh, nope. Adam Cool started mm. the Friday. He came from Duluth. He right? did come from Duluth. Yep. So he. Um, this is the Friday game, or you're this saying is, that this, this is the Saturday? This is the Friday game because we'll okay. get to the Saturday game, which is why oh, I was kind of like, okay. this is this might be. Oh, so we're actually doing the, the box score, the random box score is Saturday. You're just doing the context. No, the yeah, random no. box score is the Friday because the okay. Friday was the Billy Hengen show. Oh, all right. Game which, of his life. Is, yep, pretty much. Two goals, two assists. Uh, there nice. he centered, centered uh, Matt Hendricks and Brock Hooten. Um, okay, so it's uh, yeah, Hendricks, uh, Hooten, and Hengen. It's the Triple H. Yep, Triple line. H line. Was that was that actually a name? Because that's I what I be, called it. I, you actually did call it that. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I can make yeah. it makes makes a lot of sense. You yeah. wrestling and yeah, exactly. So, yeah. It was, and then, and then any time like the puck dropped with them, I said it's time to play the game, which, uh, <laughs> which I think wrestling was like his fans, was that his catchphrase? Uh, uh, no, no, that uh, Triple H's entrance. It's time <laughs> okay. to play the game. <laughs> That's kind of how. Yeah, it's yeah, it was great. Um. Uh, so, uh, Bacchus <laughs> opened the oh, scoring. Sure. Um, <laughs> Casey Moore took the first penalty of the game, two minutes for obstruction holding. Uh, and then a little bit later, Ryan LaMare took a penalty for obstruction holding. Lots of obstru- uh, obstruction. Obs- oh God, we are peak obstruction. And this would have been uh, Campion working solo back then. There was yep. just one ref, right? Yep. So, and, and I think his whole thought process was oh yeah there's obstruction there <laughs> let's call obstruction <laughs> again my favorite obstruction interference which yep. is from the yeah. redundant of department of redundancy department um so he said 11 power plays for the huskies how many for oh, mankato uh four for 11 on the power play two for six for mankato so yeah a, a crap ton of, of calls yep yep exactly so uh fletcher from lumbaum and larson uh, tied it up, and then we and then we enter the second period. What was it? Wait, what was the score after the first? One to one. Okay. Normal game. Yep. Normal game. Um, Ryan Lemare uh takes a penalty for holding the stick. Um, and then thirty seconds later, Dave Ionazzo scores a shorthanded goal. Go. And then about thirty seconds later, Shane Joseph ties the game on a power play goal. He was good. He was like their um, best boy. Well, I mean, if you're saying Backus is on the team, Backus and Joseph. I bet you Joseph led the team in scoring. He had maybe it was this year or the year before. Mankato was good one of these years. You said that they did they say what the record was in, uh, after, after this after game? This they were four and fifteen. Okay, so not good this year. Maybe it was the year before. I know they made it to the tournament with Backus and Joseph. That may have been the year before. They lost to Cornell in the tournament. Maybe I think they were. Do they have Abel on that team too? Because uh, I think that might have been before. It's possible. It was sometime in the early two thousands they made the tournament and got smoked by Cornell. But uh, uh, I, was, I was fairly sure that uh, Shane Joseph was on that team. But about a minute and a half later, Garrett Larson scores. Huskies are up three two. Uh, tie game again. Chad Clower scored uh, about a minute and a half later. Minute and a half after that, 
power play goal uh, by uh, Peter Zabo, uh, assisted so by what's, Joe what's Jensen. The score at this point, what are we um, it was three to three at that point. So Zabo made it four to three, and we're still early in the second period. Uh, yeah, well, we're that was at the six minute mark. Five fifty oh, was yeah, the penalty. Say that's early. Yeah, and then and then uh, Hengen took over. Is kind of uh, where I'm getting at here because uh, power play um, second assist Zabo from Jensen and Hengen, and then uh, a little bit later, a couple minutes later in the period, Hengen from Zabo and Lemaire, and then Jensen from Hengen and Lemaire um, rounded out that period. And this is all in the second period. All in the second period, all of that happened, and those last three ga- goals were on the power play. And you said one was a shorty as well. Ayanazos to start the period was a shorty. Yep. So eight goals, five of them special teams. Correct. Or do we have even more coming up? Seven. Seven goals, five special teams. I thought you said it was and eight that, to five. Was there an empty netter? Oh no, that was the that was seven goals total were scored in the second period. Oh, I'm saying for for St. Cloud total in the game, how many short, how many special teams goals was it? Just for the four oh, four power play goals and the one shorty. So it'd be nice if there was like a penalty shot in there or some other like non even strength goal. But if Campion was was in yeah, charge, four four power four power play goals, one short handed goal. Okay. And then Ayanazo, then in the third period, it was Ayanazo from Hendricks. And then Clower with his second from Joseph and Backus. And then Sorensen made a five to seven, but uh, the insurance goal at the end, Billy Hengen, Brock Hooten. And that was not an empty netter. That was not an empty netter. Okay. So, yeah, no cheapies. So, yeah, four point game for Billy Hengen. Two goals, two assists. Hats off to Hengen. Yeah, well, close. Only two goals. I suppose, yeah. I, ah, being yeah, a stickler about it. There. Uh, so the next game, again, St. Cloud's not, or Mankato's just not very good. And uh, St. Cloud comes out flat. And this game, we started Montgomery in that. Okay. Now, Montgomery in that was kind of interesting because in like he didn't play a ton. Um, this was only his fifth game so far in the season, and we're through January. Um, this is the so last. It was season. mostly cool. Up it was to mostly this point? cool up right. until this okay. point. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Mankato three nothing. Um, about midway through the first period, and then Billy Luger scored, who I totally forgot existed. Um, and then uh, Ayanazo scored another shorthanded goal. Jeez, good weekend for him. Born yeah, to score. A, a born to score, exactly. Billy Hangan assisted on that uh, Ayanazo shorthanded goal. And you youngsters. Another short like, too. Like, Ayanazo was fun to watch. I don't know, like, really what I could compare him to now, just because also the game is so completely different. But as far as like one of like a pure game breaking ability, like a little bit of daylight, he was, he was gone. 
and and he he was he was a dynamic player. Um, which is why this season just baffles me so much. But uh, and then uh, second, so okay, through down bad start, down three rip, three to two. Tim Conboy scores forty five seconds in. All right, we're we're right back in it, right? Andy Lumbaum scores four to three. All right, hey, we're coming back. It's a bad team. We're riding high, uh, and then the 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 wheels kind of fall off here. Um, Mankato uh, ties it up on a power play really late in the in the second period. Ionazzo does score again to make it five to four. And then uh, Clower scored. Who good I think this was for him. good weekend for him, and this was only his third goal of the season, and so he scored all of his goals so far uh, against St. Cloud State. Uh, Ayanazo takes a penalty for high sticking, and uh, Mankato scores the next two goals within like a minute and a half of each other. Uh, so what, was, to, what was the final? To, to go up seven to five, and then Fletcher gets one late. To make it seven to six, but we lose seven to six. So yeah, I I remembered some real high scoring affairs between these two teams back in, mm-hmm. in those days, and I I think there was a game maybe the next within the next year or two on either side of it where Saint Cloud had like a five goal lead and they blew it against Mankato, which. Maybe I'll do that research anywhere. Is is the name Adam Gerlock in any of that box score for Mankato? Um, I don't. Not think sure so. if he was still there. I think he might have been a little earlier, but he's from my hometown. I I knew his brother. Mankato had a couple of guys from my hometown that played on them. Jared Stewart, if you remember that name. Yeah, more later, sort of later aughts, but he was from Hastings as well. Um, but yeah, those are always fun games against those two teams. And it sounds like it was rowdy. Lots of penalties. Lots of goals back and forth action. Kind of like I do have to make matchup. a quick little addendum. Um, when I said Adam cool and I said, yeah. And Montgomery only played a, f- a few games up until that point. Uh, Tim Boron also. So oh, Adam really? cool and Tim Boron kind of split and Montgomery still got six games. Um, so there's was really a, I mean, a three-way kind of tandem between the three of them. It was a three-way kind of battle. Um, And no one really emerged. I mean... Well, save percentage. um, The highest was Adam Cool at a 9-0-2. So... Oh, yeah. Playing eight to five in seven to six games will... (laughs) That's not going to do that to you, to your stats. And then, of course, one, two, three, four, five, six. And the season was seven straight losses, four to Minnesota. Well, hopefully we can bottle the energy, not of that seven-game losing streak, but of Billy Hengen's series of his life and bring that to the assistant coaching position that he is now in for the St. Cloud State women's hockey team. Congratulations on the hire and excited for your contributions. You know, I just... Maybe where's I'm he from? This, where's he from, maybe, by the way? Maybe I'm giving this team maybe like a little bit too much flack. What the 0304 team? Yeah. Well, like, I mean that's a pretty epic collapse. I mean it. 
it stop is. me if I'm wrong, but they were, I mean, if they didn't fall flat on their face, just went like maybe three and four, they could have made a tournament that year. Right. I mean, yeah, they were in position I mean, to make that's the true. Tournament. They were in position and they like, like the whole reason is like we needed one point or maybe two points in the last four games of the series season to get home ice. And then Minnesota was able to sneak it from us in a series against Minnesota. So then we had to play at Mariucci. Right. But I mean, these losses three, nothing seven to one, five to two, seven to four, four to two, six to one, seven to three. So like the wheels, everything went to hell. But, but then again, I mean, the losses were, you know, we got swept at Wisconsin. We lost two games at home to CC and that CC team had, you know, Stewart and Surdich and Serling and, and Sweat. Was it Saint Senia or he ran? Uh, Macklin four. No, Peter Senia. Did he win the whole? Oh no! Oh yeah, Senia probably would have been gone by this point. But yeah, he was gone by then. But yeah, they were they were bringing in great guys like year after year. Mm-hmm. Remember, yeah, Macklinie was solid for them in net. Yeah, and then. Obviously, Vanek, I think, just pretty much tore us up this that that series, or even the last four games. I think we didn't have any any answer for Vanek and Danny Ehrman and Troy Riddle, <laughs> Keith Ballard. So, I'm sorry, Billy Hengen. What'd you say? Where is he from? Where is he from? I know he's Minnesota, uh, right? Yep, uh, Eden Prairie. I was going to say Lakeville. It's one of those suburbs. One of those. One of those burbs together, right? Exactly. So, so congrats. Um, yes. You know, uh, obviously to him, and he, you know, we can say what we want about Gentry Academy and everything along those lines. People have their opinions, but it's you know he has had a lot of um, you know good experience there, and he's going to obviously continue to have good experience here for the uh, you know under Adalski and. And uh, definitely grow. And again, I'm really excited for where this team ends up going. Agreed. So, um, you know, I guess you know, as we were reminiscing hard about, uh, you know, Ermin and Barry Talixson and Gino Geyer uh, of the Gopher teams. I guess uh, uh, you, there's a, a Gopher player that's going to be playing in your neck of the woods a little bit more often. Yes. Yeah, he wasn't, you know, talking about Logan Cooley, uh, not a Minnesotan, talking about Hengid being a Minnesotan. Cooley from Pennsylvania, I believe, like Pittsburgh area. His short time in Minnesota, he really grasped the concept of the Midwestern goodbye. <laughs> uh, where, okay, I'm, I'm ready to leave. Uh, see you guys. It was really fun. And then an hour later... You and then cracked, four months you cracked by. another beer and <laughs> you're still, you're back on the couch. Cause yeah, it was all what after the national title game, Hey, unfinished business and yeah. uh, Ho- Hobie rah, rah. and I'm coming back baby. Uh, and then, well, and then that was right after that was right after the, uh, what Arizona's referendum yes. failed or anything along those yeah, lines. Yeah, that's right. So, so it wasn't immediately after the title game because it, it was timed like a day or two after it was announced that Arizona's plan to get some public funding in Tempe, when that fell through, shortly after that, that's when Cooley said, I'm coming back to the Gophers. 
so maybe that was May, I'm going to say. So it was maybe a month after the, the national title game. But still. I got the tweet saved from when uh, the When he announced Minnesota, that he's returning? When the Minnesota Gopher Hockey Twitter uh, said he's coming back. What was the date on that? And then I remember, and then I said, and then what happened? Because, <laughs> yeah, it was at least several two, three months in between that announcement and then his announcement of saying, well, May. This NHL yeah. paycheck, it was May. So, yeah, May this 19. NHL paycheck uh, concept, uh, maybe maybe that does, doesn't sound too bad. Instead of having an NL, NIL deal with Chipotle to get free burritos, maybe I'll cash it in for a couple million bucks with an entry-level deal. And it looks like, you know, obviously he's been placated by, you know, Arizona's trying – I think they're now trying in Mesa to buy some land to try to build a facility there. So they're still putting in the good fight as far as wanting to stick around Arizona. And and to their credit, they seem like they might be decent this coming year. Perhaps that changed his mindset as well. Um, I still think whether or not they're good or bad, he's going to have plenty of ice time uh, available for yeah. him because they are still, a, I would still classify them as rebuilding. They're not, emptying the cupboards tanking bad they're just sort of you know meh bad to middling to maybe like a surprise uh wild card contender it's probably where they have risen to at this point so i mean tough for the gophers because him dilly-dallying for the month before he announced he's coming back and then in the three months after, you know, he's coming back and then said, well, I'm actually going to go, you know, there was this thing called the transfer portal that they could have used to replace a guy of his caliber. I suppose they could have done that whether or not he's coming back or not, but especially if they were aware of him not being on the team next year, perhaps the priority of them wanting to replace a top end guy, because there were a handful of um, real kind of high end point producing prospects that were available in, in the portal and there's really no way for them to replace him on the roster through the transfer portal this late in the game. And so it kind of hung them out to dry a little bit. And I'm sure guys like Motsko and Gopher fans are, are a little salty about that aspect of it, about having to wait so long, say that you're committing back into the program and then backing out months later uh, probably didn't sit well with some folks. But, um, yeah. you know, it's hard for me. It's like it's hard to – turned down such a lucrative offer that I'm sure he was getting. So, I mean, it's understandable, but just. And not having to do homework, not having to do homework. I'm not sure if he had to do a whole lot of that anyway, but. Uh, <laughs> Clem Haskins style. Jan uh, Gangelhoff, uh do right in the papers for him. So rest in peace, Jan. Uh, <laughs> the, I, and maybe, I don't know if you had anything to add to that. We had one implication you were mentioning to me the Alex bump situation. Uh, Gopher fans thought they may have gotten the replacement for Cooley that in that case, but I uh, had like, there was scuttlebutt. It was like, that's okay. That Cooley's gone. Cause bump's going to be here. Like it was, you know, that bump, you know, was in the transfer portal from Vermont widely connected. Like there was just so much uh, Gopher fans. Their hubris was strong with them. Uh, I will say that with the fact that they thought bump, just pencil him in. He's already going to be here. Well, I'm sure that hubris took a hit when 
they realize that Western Michigan isn't the same as Minnesota, that that's a, that's a different school because that's where Alex Bump ended up committing to. We should back up a little bit. Uh, He was originally committed to Vermont who recently announced maybe a month ago that their coach, Todd Woodcroft uh, is fired. Um, Sounds like some improper communication uh, with a member of the opposite sex. And so he gone and hired a, a replacement for him already. And so some of the prospects uh, in, the, in the pipeline commits, you know, with the coaching change, you mentioned that earlier. Uh, certainly nowadays, if you do have a coaching change, you're not bound to the time limits that the transfer portal normally restricts on potential transfers because that window is only open for 60 days or so from the end of the season till around mid-May, maybe, maybe six weeks. But if at any time in the offseason a coach decides to move on, any commit, any commits or current players that were on that team, are the, the window of eligibility to enter the transfer portal opens in, that, in those special cases. And so Bump was unexpectedly available as he was coming in next year, slated to come in this fall to Vermont. And he was a hot, hotly hot commodity in the transfer portal because he racked up a great career at Prior Lake, put on a real show at the state tournament. I think last year, it wasn't this year. I think it was last year. I think he, he spent a year in juniors uh, in 22, 23, but coming in to campus this year and, yeah, as you said, the writing seemed to be on the wall that the Gophers could scoop him up, but instead he picks Pat Fershweiler and, and Western Michigan, which I thought was a bit of a surprise. And uh, props to Fershweiler. The guy is a, a great recruiter, I think. I think players really want to play for him. They're, uh, they're a very interesting team. And so I, we wanted to mention this because it does have implications for the NCHC because obviously mm-hmm. Western Michigan's in the conference and we'll be seeing some of Alex Bump uh, in the near future. And I said Western's uh, an intriguing team because they again lost like their top five scorers, which they also did last year. They were able to reload this year based on freshmen like Ryan McAllister having a great year. Guys like uh, Jason Pollan being a Hobie finalist. Um, and what was it? Um, Sasson having a great year. All those guys are gone. Uh, and I, 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 I like Fershweiler. I think he's a coach who, in his short two-year tenure there as head coach, has shown an ability to reload. Now, can he do it for a second straight year with another new crop of, again, a lot? He's very active in the transfer portal again this year. Uh, and also with freshmen. I remember you mentioning a couple of podcasts ago, you're thinking maybe Western's due for a little dip. I'm not going to say that Alex Bump is going to make the difference for them to bump up the standings. See what I did there? But I think they're a team that I trust more than, let's say, like Omaha who hasn't consistently been able to repeat on quality performances team team wide year to year, year after year. And so I'm not even sure we're going to have our season preview podcast coming up sometime in the next month, six weeks. I, I really could go several different slots with Western. I, I don't know where to put them. And, and this move is part, part of that sort of 
uncertainty regarding them. They could be pretty good. They could also dip too. I, I'm not sure. Where, where, where are you thinking that Western stands, uh, particularly after the news of them scooping up uh, Alex Bump? I, uh, I mean, I'm I'm with you on that. For some reason, Omaha really intrigues me. I mean, really? yeah. And when I when I look at it, is like the NCHC right now just has so many question marks. Um, kind of up and down, and up and down the list. And obviously, we'll get into that with all of our predictions and and, and prop bets that we're gonna have. Um, but like. You know, I was about to make the joke on Twitter uh, or X. I'm going to call it Twitter for the rest of my life. I don't care. Call me a boomer. Um, but, like, uh, the Fighting Hawks announced their captains, and I was going to tweet out, yeah, those are the only people that stayed. Of course those are captains. <laughs> but that wasn't true because the transfer from Michigan was one of their captains. So I couldn't even make that joke. They didn't have enough to fill out. So it was, um, you know, but I forget is, is Gaber still there? Yes. And was he one of the captains? Gaber's the captain. Okay. All right. Um, for St. Cloud because he seems to always kill us. Yeah, he does. Um, but so all of those, like, I mean, North Dakota, I have no clue. I have no clue. Yeah, they're they're another now. just complete. Uh, I could see, you know, there's black so box. much. I have no idea yeah. what to expect with them. There's so much hype around the recruits coming in for CC of all teams I that I'm seeing. Um, Omaha, like I said, Omaha intrigues me more than they intrigue you. I I figured that that was going to be the case. Because uh, I'm always sort of down on Omaha. Yeah. But – they, they, I mean, they surprised me last year and they certainly could do it again. Like it's similar to last year where the only team I'm confident about placing them in the standings is Miami at eight. Yeah. Everything else is in limbo and it's going to be really interesting how I decide to pick them at the beginning of the year because, and it's probably going to be very wrong. Yeah, but exactly. That puts, makes it exciting. I'm probably going to have Denver at one and ugh, gross. I'm leaning this probably is bad news because of my general pessimism but i am leaning towards maybe the hometown team being my number one so talk me out of that if you don't want me to to curse the huskies all right i feel i'm feeling good about this team which that's not a good sign that's not a good that's really well if well guess what because i'm Got a lot of questions about this team, and it but really like, is. As we just said, middle. what team so, don't we have questions about? I mean, that's we just true. listed them off. I mean, Duluth. We, we, I guess, they're the only team we didn't really mention, and they're a giant question mark too. So, yeah, this will be fun. Yeah, yeah. This this season's going to be a whirlwind. I think it's going to be one of those. Also, we're going to beat on each other a lot in conference, but that might mean we only get two teams in the national tournament, maybe three, like. And that's, I mean, things change in college hockey. This happens. I mean, ebbs and flows. It's so, I mean, we've got a really long run here of dominance in the NCHC. I think that slips away here pretty big this season. Well, and we saw, I would, I would honestly put the over under. I mean, like for smart three teams in last year, are you saying less or less, more push? I'm saying that the, 
like Vegas would probably put the over under at three point five. I, I would right. I I would say even two point five. I would take. I would have. Well, if you're giving debate. me two point five, I'll go over on that. Yeah. Three point five, I might go under. Like I think three is a good yeah, number. Three. I still number. think that. I still think that the East is still sort of in a down period. Maybe that sounds weird because Quinnipiac came from the East and they won the tournament last year. But Hockey East, we can say the same thing about Hockey East, That's probably true. more so than we do, would about the NCHC. And it seems like the West still has the upper hand when it comes to at-large spots in the tournament. So do I trust the Because the way that, that NCHC is not going to get three teams in is if Hockey East and ECAC have better years than they have in the past. And I'm not sure if I'm confident enough. Not that I have followed their movement terribly close. Um, Certainly not as much as I have the Western teams. But just based on the last, I don't know, five, six years, it's more of a safe bet to assume that the Western leagues have more of a upper hand. And the fact that the Big Ten was so good last year, majority of their non-conference, if we're not talking about Penn State, who loads up on Atlantic hockey teams in non-conference and CHC has plenty of opportunities to win non-conference games against big 10 teams, which would then help their pairwise chances as well. And so I'll still, I think three is what I'll go with, but it's in, if you're going to say under 2.5, that's intriguing. I would certainly go over that. I'll put it that way. I'm trying to think, and I, don't remember off the top of my head. And like, what was the big, who had like the big drop of people getting in? I think it was hockey East, right? Like they were positioned around like January. They had got like teams like Lowell tanked, UMass tanked. Um, Miramax is who Miramax. Well, but they ended up making it, but they did fall quite a bit. Yeah. Was it just them and BU that made it from that league? Yeah. Providence also tanked. Connecticut tanked. UConn tanked. They're maybe yeah. the biggest team to fall out completely out. Yeah. So more, yeah, it was a big, and, and part of that so. was part of the team that scooped up those spots was ECAC, which had a down year but they got four teams in or did they, is yeah. it because they got Quinnipiac, Harvard. Yeah. Cornell and Colgate. Cause Colgate won the tournament and then got smoked by Michigan. Yeah. But that, that was not a conference that was really worthy of four teams. It just sort of Cornell snuck in there and Colgate kind of magically won the tournament. Mm-hmm. And so I think another, they sort of stole a, a spot from hockey East or Alaska too. They were like right on the, fringes of making it and one of the last teams out. But so, yeah, I mean, if those, if those programs that we just mentioned with hockey East, if they can get in more than two teams, then that puts uh, a, a crimp in yeah. if the NCHC gets, you know, two or three or how many ever, how many uh, teams that they get in. So sure enough. Yeah. It's not just what about what the conference, the NCHC is doing. It's you got to put it in the context of, of the nation as a whole. Hockey East gets three. You think so? Hockey East gets three on the backs of it is just. Do you want to you know, make Penn, the, uh, Penn State the... being terrible and therefore like all of the pairwise bumps from? Well, and that's 
That's another. I mean, maybe do we expect the Big Ten to be as good as they did last year? It's it's tough to be better than what they were last year. I mean, there is one point later in the season where six teams were inside the pairwise yeah. gate, and they what they end up getting four: Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. Yeah, that's because Notre Dame was out, Michigan State was out. Yeah, so they just got four in Wisconsin, of course. Um, and so they just got four. But do we expect them to have another? I mean, that's that's more than half of the teams in their league, which is always a sign that that's a very strong league. And they damn well near got five teams in. So it's hard to replicate that kind of success. So if they drop down to three teams, then that opens another slot. Then you think, how's the CCHA going to shake out? Because we don't think Mankato is going to be as good. And so it's going to be wide open. The Wild West, I think, will be apt this year. And the East has question marks. And yeah, it's this will be a fun, a fun year. Yeah. No real yep. prohibitive favorite nationwide. And I think that's a good thing. And and CHC last year, yeah, we got three in, right? Correct. St. Cloud. Western, Western, and Denver, and, and we Denver. were the only team to win. That's a right. Game. That is correct. So, so yep, yeah, keep uh, we'll keep you updated uh, as far as when yeah, follow uh, Weldy there on the X um, about when we're gonna drop that preview podcast. X. Uh, but it's coming up. There's a there's a song by Exhibit called X and well, that makes sense. And, uh, I have that in my head right now and I don't hate it. So it's, if you get a chance, Good. you should YouTube X by exhibit. It's, it's pretty, I mean, I wouldn't say that is good. our banger, <laughs> it's a song. banger of the week. Banger of the by, week by uh Wildy. I'll create a sound bar for that too. And do, it'll be raised. And it'll, It'll be Ricky Martin singing She Bangs. There you go. The She Bangs of the week. So um, one other piece of news uh, before we head to questions. Uh, Too many men on the ice. No longer reviewable uh, this year. The powers that be got together and said, hey, this rule was stupid and reviews are dumb. So let's get rid of this one at least. And uh, apparently everyone agreed. So... Uh, I believe the Huskies have been burned on that multiple times. Well, the uh, only one that I can remember off the top of my head was a playoff game in Grand Forks. So like 2017, I think it was in the first iteration of the podcast. And one of those games, I'm going to say the first game of that series, there was, it, it was a egregiously BS call that Motsko rightfully lost his crap about. Because I think that one was one where it was like a player coming off the ice for it was like a shift situation, shift change situation. Yeah, and like the, the puck was already like, it was in like the offensive zone, and we were and like nowhere in the far close. Board. I think yeah. it was a power play. Nowhere close. I'm gonna say it was Blake Winicky was the player who was coming off the ice, and it was like his leg was just dangling from the ice to the boards as he's hopping over the boards, and they ended up reviewing a goal that they scored based on that. And they took it away. That's the only one offhand that I remember, but I'm sure I I would, I don't doubt that that's been an issue other than that. 
But yeah, agreed with the sentiment that the less reviews, the better. And especially for a real ticky tacky reason such as yeah. this. I mean, there's been. It, w- it was one of those things that like, like there wasn't even a situation where it was like, oh, this has to be reviewable now. It was just like, why is this a thing? They just I can remember like, it might have been it's either too many men or maybe it was an offsides review. The first one, this was like seven, eight years ago. I remember it'd be a BC and UMass game where there was a, I'm thinking it was a too many men and it was an egregious one. It was like where six guys were actually on the ice, like playing. Like it's not like a guy was going off on a shift and just somehow the refs missed it and they scored a goal off of it. And I think it was like the game winning goal. That might've been the impetus. Cause that's how it was always, always how these things these yeah. dumb rules come out is because one, one example and then you've got to put in a new rule that sort of overcompensates and so if my memory serves me correctly it may have been an offside call to a, but they shouldn't they shouldn't review goals based on offsides missed inf- uh, offsides infractions either should get rid of that from my perspective the the news here is that's a good start um getting rid of too many men reviews. We got, uh, let's we keep got going down. Keep going yeah. with, uh, with getting rid of reviews. So like, yeah, that's all I'll say. Good start. Uh, we do have some questions here. Anything else you uh, kind of want to go over for this uh, August off season pod? I can't think of anything. I think we're else. good for now. That's um I mean, I did. We did talk about uh, birthstones for a little bit longer than I thought we would, but and we front loaded that at the beginning. We of front loaded that. We, sure we said, "Hey, you know what over. should be the lead story? Birth December's stones. three birthstones." Yes, and that apparently you can just pick. Yep. So, um, uh, voice of the in-person Huskies, uh, Jason Bryant, uh, as um who's been incredibly busy on his podcast of his own and um, with his wrestling, um, trying to grapple with all of the changes. <laughs> you like that? I really wanted to work that in there. All of the changes with uh, the conferences and the shuffling and what that means for, you know, not just college football, uh, but, you know, some of those other sports too, that don't get obviously the TV revenue that college football does. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, he's been, you know, kind of a top baller when it comes to that wrestling news and something that I never thought I'd be that kind of interested in. And yeah, he makes it really fun, really interesting. So, uh, but, uh, he, uh, asked for your, my pick here for a college hockey podcast outside of this one, uh, that, uh, uh, to listen to. And I said, I mean, you've already got this one. You don't need anything else. It's really, I think the, the, the best answer I mean, I trashed him earlier, but I I do listen to Wodan uh, and Mike McMahon during the season when they have their CHN podcasts. I think they're mildly entertaining. They usually have a guest on, like a coach generally. Uh, and mm-hmm. sometimes I fast forward through that segment if if it's not a compelling guest. But um, those can be interesting. Like one time they had a a guy that worked for a design like architecture company that was building a bunch of these new hockey arenas 
I was going to say, is it is it a website building about why their no, stats like can't get updated building. correctly? Yeah. Well, oh, okay. Should have no, had that. Different. Not not a data science. Don't ask architect, him. But don't, yeah, don't ask don't him. Ask him about that. But I do listen to that one. I'm even nervous um, talking about it here that he's going to come and like. <laughs> yeah, because I'm saying we listen to him. It's a very mutual relationship because <laughs> he listens to ours. He'll, no, based on ear, the uh, his ears are everywhere. I don't sweet, trust it. <laughs> all the great stuff we we say about when, him and his arguments hanging over my shoulder right now. So, so I do listen to that one. I tried to listen to the Ustro. The Ustro has one. I it just wasn't really. I wasn't really digging it. So of those two, I, I do prefer the CHN one. I listen to the Rink Live one from now and now every now and then. Not not every one. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the uh, Hatton. Episode with um, with Robbie Jackson. I, I should check that one out. I had like that four questions one. for him, so it's no that that was a good one. Um, I haven't listened to us show in a while. Um, is their audio quality still abysmal? I I remember a couple of years ago, like trying one out, and yeah, I think it was sort of poor audio. <laughs> not like we, not like ours, obviously. Talk, but. <laughs> uh, their audio wasn't great, but it just, there can be a tendency, especially in nation, like national coverage where you just put on seven pairs of kid gloves and it's just, we're only going to talk to the coach and we're only going to ask him the questions that aren't going to ruffle any feathers. And we're just going to give you this really sterile version of analysis. I hope that our listeners gather from us that we come with a little fire. We come with a little bit of, hot takes from now and then and, and opinions that from time to time are negative of the Huskies, which I'm not sure if that's something that people don't care for, but I don't care for the, I call it kind of the Bally sports approach where it's just, you can't say a bad word about your, the team that you cover and everything's hunky dory. doesn't matter for, you know, in last place or first place, it's kind of the same tone. That's sort of what I gathered from us, Joe. And it's kind of a turnoff for me, but, um, I do listen to the, um, I, we have another St. Cloud state podcast out there and I do listen to the, um, the Huskies warming house den mm-hmm. I'm jealous about their, they seem to get the tech a little bit more than we do. <laughs> Cause I'll generally watch it on YouTube, the, the video feed. And so I do listen to that one. Um, I don't, other than the ones I've mentioned, I don't think I listen to any other college hockey podcast, but, one main reason is that there just aren't a ton of them. College hockey is a fairly niche sport and we're lucky in St. Cloud land to have multiple podcasts dedicated to SCSU hockey. And what I really like also about like uh, the guys over at the warming house is I, I I think we serve completely different audiences. Um, I think that's true. They're a little younger. So they're going to come out with a little, little bit more modern approach. Yeah, I don't. And, like, let's put it this way: I don't know if they're going to spend half an hour talking about Billy Hengens. Like, Billy Hengens, yeah, right, exactly. But hopefully, our um, audience doesn't mind the difference. We, we yeah. don't want them to be the same podcast. They, they exactly, exactly. And I do appreciate that theirs comes out usually a day earlier, so I can make sure we're not rehashing some of the same topics and whatnot. So right. the people who do listen to both are able to kind of get at least a different perspective on it. And also, like you said, like they're. Um, you know, I think they're going to be a little bit of rebranding um, and going into a little bit more just college hockey. Um, 
where they did spend a lot more time on like NHL and and um, everything along those lines, which was which, which was fine. Um, you know, my whole like thing about it was that like just front load with the St. Cloud State stuff and then add on the NHL stuff at the end because yeah. like what we you're, do, you just front load it with with birthstones, with chargers and birthstones, right? <laughs> just glass take a, take houses a, here. You know, nickels worth of free advice from us. Listen yeah, to how we exactly. started this podcast and then stick to the script. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Long. Right now they're actually doing like previews and breakdowns of actual teams in the that are coming up in the season. And here we are talking about Burstones and Billy Hangin games from 20 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> oh, well, what do we do? Gotta love the summer pods. Right. Exactly. So again, different, uh, different, uh, different, different folks, but yeah, that's, um, but I, you could tell that they have like, I guess more of a passion for the actual sports analysis radio, like actual side of it. Whereas we're just schmucks with microphones, just having a good time. Yeah. So they didn't um, really tell the difference based on the technical <laughs> problems that we have that they don't seem to ever right, have. Exactly. I've thought about upgrading my microphone. See, I don't even think it's like a mic issue. I, I think we have the right equipment. I just don't know where to plug it in and call That's calibrate it correctly. Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, um, but um, one that I really liked that went away, but then kind of came back this last couple of episodes was um, college hockey today. Um, and that one was with that one. That one was with Schlossman and uh, Nate Ewell from College Hockey. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember that. I don't remember that that was the title of it, but I do remember back in the day listening to a couple of those. Maybe Us Show hosted that at some point. Because um, I know they, they offer some other podcasts that's not just like Us Show writers, but somewhere I, I did listen to that. Um, yeah. I think that um, Nate Ewell doesn't work for College Correct. Hockey um, Inc. or whatever the organization is. I don't think, yep. I think he moved on to, the, to an NHL team. So, But um, Jason, and I'm going to butcher his last name because I've only seen it in print. Um, uh, Was it the their old SID? The old like SID. Heydu or something? Heydu. Hey something hey with hey a J that seemed like it yeah. doesn't belong there. Yeah. Um, but I think they they had a couple episodes in March um, as well, kind of bringing back the same type of structure. Oh, in. okay. And I, so you're I saying re- that you one of your favorite hockey podcasts is a North Dakota podcast. It it was college hockey today, so they did cover everything. Oh, so it was just and, like a nationwide, yeah, focus, um, not just and, not just North Dakota. Exactly. Um, it was, um, a. Like, yeah, they just did a great job of focusing on everything and say what you want about Sloshman and people definitely do. Um, but I do think he's one of the most knowledgeable writers like when him. it comes to college yeah. hockey. Um, yeah, I like sometimes him. he can get a little ridiculous at times when it comes to like some of the stats that he puts out and plays with some numbers, maybe a little bit, a little bit and too he's, much. He's to someone mind, that but. he doesn't strike me as like a partisan. As far Correct. As, like it's all through a North Dakota lens, and North Dakota is the best ever. He's fairly he, he's had plenty of opportunity over the last couple of years to be critical of, of North Dakota, and he hasn't um, uh, 
minced words uh, when yep. they're deserved. So I, I do give him props for that. Mm-hmm. And he's got a great, it just coming from the upper Midwest, he's got a great North Dakota accent. <laughs> and I like that because it reminds me of home. Yep. So, um, and then a, a couple other fan ones um, that I like um, that I listen to every once in a while um, is that there's one from Michigan Tech that's uh, uh, okay. actually um, uh, Chasing McNaughton um, is one good that so, uh, so they have a really good um, one and I was actually maybe a little inside information but I was um, going to be a guest on their podcast and uh, we were in kind of the talks about uh, guesting on each other's podcasts for the Michigan Tech, if Huskies were smashed up against Michigan Tech in the first round of the um, NCAA tournament, so we were going to have kind of a kind of a guest appearance on both sides. But obviously, we don't know anyone who cares about Mankato that much, so we didn't do that. So Michigan Tech, you mean? No, it's like too bad. We, like no, we didn't. Oh, as have, far as when when they when the Huskies played Mankato when the Huskies played, and, got it. And I'm pretty sure you know. Uh, their re- their recap of the uh, Michigan Tech game against Penn State wasn't that probably was not very happy not pretty so but um that's a good one and they get like they get guests on that I think they had Don Lucia on an episode once Blank. so like yeah they they hustle on that podcast they do a really good job too so thanks for the recommendation I did not know that that one existed mm-hmm. it's um, such a th- shame that we don't play them anymore like they're out of the conference like. Get that, get them back in the schedule. That's a bus trip, and a yeah. scenic one at that. And actually, uh, Dan Jacobson has a question about, um, you know, what is uh, one college hockey road trip that you would like to do before you die? And that actually is my That's pick. One, yeah. Is is Northern Michigan, Michigan Tech, like. Like do lump in Lake State at the same time. Just do all the UP like, schools. Just do all the UP school. Like find, and then I would love to do it in October. Yeah. Um. That would you be know, the er- best time to do it. Yeah. Just early scenic, and I've heard so many like just stories. I'd like to just walk around their campuses and and everything along those lines. So, um, that's actually my trip, and it's like you said, it's easily doable. I just need to find time. Maybe when I'm retired. Um. You know, in forty years or whatnot, I'll be able to have some time and drag my wife to go and uh, go to some of these games and and just like just go to those old barns too. And yeah, that would certainly be a good one. It certainly is on my list. Uh, I have not gone to Michigan Tech before, even when St. Cloud was in their conference. And like their their fans, obviously the band. um, I've driven by one of the best, but um, in the summertime. But I not, never gone to a game. That's actually one I've probably been to fifteen or sixteen um, rinks total. I don't know the exact count, but that's actually one where my dad has been to, and I have not. My dad—it's oh. not like he really travels, but he—he he had a friend that um, from our home, from my hometown, that played. He was—he was the goalie on well, Michigan Tech's last uh, national title team. They played the Gophers either back-to-back years or three straight years in the mid-70s for the national title game. And the Gophers, I think it was three in a row. The Gophers won two, and then Michigan Tech won one of them. And so Michigan Tech was great back then. And, yeah. and 
And so this guy who uh, Bruce Horse, Horse is his name, and he stayed in Houghton after he graduated and he became like a teacher, I think in the area. And so he still lives up there. And a couple of years ago, my, he invited my dad and a couple of other of his friends from Minnesota to go up to watch a game on that um, winter carnival weekend that they have in like uh, February or whatever it is, big deal in Houghton. And so they, uh, he took in a game uh, in that weekend and I was jealous because I'm like, boy, uh, that, that one is one certainly on my bucket list. Another kind of trip that I've, cause just, I've only really just oh, to ahead. put a pin in that. Um, yep. 74, uh, Minnesota won four to two against Michigan tech 75 Michigan tech won, Michigan six, tech won six to one and then 76, six to four Minnesota over Michigan. So this was a big rivalry back then. It was the Herb Brooks days and John McInnes for Michigan Tech. And so he did rivalry back then. And and so that's the last of Michigan Tech's natties. I think they won a couple, like when Tony Esposito was their goalie, like in the 60s. They've got a couple. Rich history there. One of the oldest programs in, in college hockey. And yeah, certainly on the bucket list. And yeah, I just started traveling for the Huskies games, like right at the tail end of the WCHA era. And so never was able to make it up there. So hopefully there'll be some time that I do get up there. Uh, the other sort of area of the country that I'd love to go, like, so I've only been like 1962, east. seven to one against it, Clark's. Okay. So just, they have the two natties, just 62 the and 75. Okay. Now we know that trivia question, but yeah, so I've only been East as far as my Eastern rinks. I've been to Northeastern and BC when the Huskies played out there, what, 2018. Uh, and then those were good. I mean, Matthews in particular for Northeastern, I actually was really disappointed with BC's arena. Um, it was kind of a dump, uh, but Matthews for Northeastern, which is like super old. It might mm-hmm. be the oldest rink currently and it used to be an nhl rink the bruins used to play there in like the 20s uh so that's certainly a, a good one and then michigan, i spent michigan tech also won in 65 oh really so they got eight, three eight to five against boston or eight to two against boston college look at you fact checking on the fly love it my, and my so, frozen in time history of us Men's there you go hockey. that so. is our book plug of the week frozen in time so I did that Boston trip and then I randomly, I had to work uh, like two weeks for a job. I spent in Buffalo, New York for two weeks. It's like the setup to a bad joke. I know spent two <laughs> weeks in February in Buffalo. During that time, I went to a Niagara game because they're close by. So that's very random that my three. I heard there's a rinks, waterfall nearby too. A little bit of one. And I drove by it as I went to the rink. And so of my three uh, rinks that I've visited in the East, it's been BC, Northeastern and Niagara. So I would like to like hit a bunch, especially the old ones, like the old Ivy league schools. The thing is like, because you play basically Fridays and Saturdays, it's not like I can knock off six on a weekend unless I'm seeing just like one period at one. That's not really what I want to do. I want to take in a full game. 
Yeah. So I'd have to like be there for like several weeks in a row and just hit uh, Princeton. You know, that's one where that's a super old rink as well. Hobie Baker rink, uh, Harvard, uh, Yale. Do a lot of those old school ones. I've heard Vermont's a good one. Old barn type uh, building. Maine would be a good one. So any like the North, the New England um, schools, especially ones with a little bit of history. Yeah. Those would be nice to pick off. But if it's, I mean, St. Cloud rarely, you know, so rarely plays out there that I'd have to be going at a, a non St. Cloud weekend that they don't play out there most likely. And so it'd be tough to arrange that. But like you said, maybe that's a, like a retirement um, trip just to go out there and spend a couple of weeks, just kind of hopping from college town to college town up in that area and just uh, see a game in a couple of those areas. So that would be another kind of one that I've always wanted to do is pick off some of those old school ones on the East coast, Alaska. That's another one. I've never been up there. Um, and it'd be kind of fun to travel to, to haul up there. Um, especially if the, you know, future of the program isn't exactly secure for either of those programs. It'd kind of be nice to at least check those off the, yeah. off the list sometime too. But um, yeah, going to Miami this year, it'll be the first time I go there. And so I'm excited to see that one. Uh, it'll be the last college that I've been to in the conference. I still, I need to go back to CC cause I haven't been to their new arena since they opened that one, but everyone else I've been to more than once. Like I've seen both Omaha rinks. Um, I've seen Denver, North Dakota. I didn't go to the deck which I'm sad to say you saw a game at the deck, like a Duluth game when they're still playing at the deck, right? No. Well, I saw a call or a high school hockey game there actually. Oh, really? So, yeah. But not so a college game. It wasn't, it wasn't a college game, um, but a high school. I've heard that was a, uh, that was an in, in, interesting rink to play at. Cause it was so small and. Nope. It was so small. Um, yeah. Section. It was like the section, section eight final. And okay. one of, one of the coaches took the three seniors of our hockey team on a road trip up to Duluth. And I've lived in Southwestern Minnesota. So, I mean, it's a hall. It, it was definitely a hall. Um, so, so would this have been like Duluth East who was playing the game? Do you remember? God, I do not know. Cause they still play those section finals. Now they play them at Amsoil. Um, but I mean, if you're talking in your you know early 2000s, I mean, it's a good guess that Duluth East was involved because they seemingly were there every year. I'm going to say like Duluth East and Greenway. Well, I think actually Grand Rapids. Man, I'm trying to think. For I'm not even sure if. Well, no, Section Eight is like Moorhead. That's like because Duluth East is in that weird Section Seven. Yeah, I like mean, that's Andover. What I mean. It goes yeah, like Seven. South- yeah, south to Andover, but then I it think, spans up to Duluth. I think it was the year Anoka won the title. Okay, and that was they like, might have been in the section then. Yeah, so I if Andover is in that section, it might have stretched down to Anoka County. It's possible. Two thousand because it was it was my senior year, so it was two thousand three class double A doing an impromptu uh, section random box score <laughs> uh, pull up. Yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to find it in this amount of time. Well, whatever the case. 
I'm still jealous that you're actually able to at least see a hockey game there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, just opera style seating and you were right on top of the opera style. So you're like looking straight down on the ice and not only that, but like the, uh, dimensions I think were like 189 by 70 something. Like it was ridiculously small. Quick while you, uh, look that up favorite opera. I have never been to an opera of a true, a true opera. Like, are we talking like Broadway plays? Yeah. I've been to like dozens. Tuxedo opera, top hat, cane, Fred Astaire style scarf. I'm going to go with Aida because it's always in crosswords. It's got three vowels. No, I've never seen it, but it's my favorite one. Okay. That's that's we got birth stones, we got opera yeah, and everything in between. Sound. I don't know if I can even name another opera. Oh, I can name like 10. Yeah, no, I don't think Madame Butterfly, La Traviata. Um, oh, uh, Magic Flute. Magic, okay, now you're um, just naming everything. No, like these are operas. It's like, you know, if you're doing any practice for like Jeopardy, because they'll have an opera category. Oh, okay. And it's simple, like, because they're really only picking like from 10 operas. It's not like you have to memorize the entire songbook of Giuseppe Verdi um, and get some obscure operas. They're just selecting like those 10 most well-known ones. So... Carmen. You're putting me on a spot right now, but that's, I gave you like four or five. Carmen. My answer is Carmen. Carmen. That's good. It's Bizet. Yep. Yep. yep, Exactly. Just because that's uh, always in figure skating. That's a very popular figure skating routine, which Habanera, I believe is the uh, aria from Carmen that they always play for the figure skating. So Teresa's what? Oh, she's got a flower in her hair. She's doing Carmen. And Sure enough, that's that's always the case. So it's kind of like if you um, see a red flower in a girl in a a woman of women's figure skating hair, you you know she's doing carbon. So it's almost kind of like an overdone, like cliche at this point. It's almost like you're losing creativity points if you're putting on uh, carbon. But but it gets the crowd going, so that 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 I mean, people are clapping along, and then people clapping along. Well, judges will think it's so better it's, than that. It's like two figure skaters, figure skaters in the '88 Olympics did Elvis the same. Stoico. No, it was Katarina Vitt was one of them, okay. um, and then there was like there was the dueling Carmens, like the best two figure skaters in the world were both doing Carmen. Was it another woman? Oh, Oksana yeah. Bayul. The Ukrainian jewel, Oksana Bayul? No. <laughs> I've been too early for Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah. I don't think then she I'm was... basically out on female figure skaters. Uh, well, Michelle Kwan, but way too early for her. See, I could name like Brian Boitano, but that's obviously a male figure skater. Scott Hamilton. Debbie Thomas. I have heard of her. Yep, 88 I would have been able to say that she was a figure skater, but I have heard the name D-I-B-D-E-B-I. Yep. Kind of a weird spelling. Okay. okay. We are in the ditch. 
from opera to figure skating. Well, figure skating is he's got skates and ice, so it's sort of adjacent to hockey. So we're not completely in the ditch. But um, I think it was a worthy conversation. Well, also you, that was the battle of the Carmens because uh, Debbie Thomas and Katarina Vitt both skated. Um, and the but also on the men's side was the battle of the Bryans. Which that is, was Brian Boitano. That was Brian and Boitano. Was it, uh, Brian Orser. There you go, Brian Orser. Because he comes up in crosswords too. He's got a that that last name's got a Brian lot of Orser names. is like the Jesus of figure skating coaching right now. Really, like he is like the Messiah of figure. Like everybody wants to be coached by Brian Orser, except really? if you're Russian, then you want to be doped up and <laughs> you're like uh coached by different the, approach the one girl that with one. the frizzy hair who always teaches the flutz but there we go but yes so there was the battle of the bryans and the battle um of the Carmens in the 88 olympics in calgary there we go and i want to say american did a who won the gold? Did Orser or Boitano? I think Brian Boitano won. Who was the American? Who was the Canadian? Brian Boitano was, was the American. Was Brian the American? Orser's, yeah. I think it was Boitano. God, Teresa's going to be so mad if I get this wrong. I'm really looking forward to her critique of oh, this yeah. segment. Yeah, especially the opera, the opera and the figure skating. Especially with some Jane Austen references in here, and and it'll be a real (laughs) summer podcast. Especially her going at like me not remembering what the Russian coach's name too. She's yep. She's I'm I'm going to have a correction at at the radio right now at 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 her uh, speaker. Yep, Brian Boitano won the gold, and Orser was. Although Orser won four, oh man, five to four split. What a, what a haymaker between the two. So anyway, that's your figure skating uh, uh, update there. Um, and then uh, just uh, off season. Anything that you're kind of doing or watching, just uh, kind of pass the time um, when it comes to it. Well, as I've mentioned previously, I've I've been in this pretty much all calendar year of watching movies from the years 1971 through 73. I sort of stalled on that lately. Um, But so I'm maybe not watching as many as I had been previous in previous months, but there's one interesting trend of the early 70s is movies with crazy long titles i feel like they don't do that as much anymore so like the last one i saw is a movie called i gotta like clear my throat here because it's the whole movie the entire title is who is harry kellerman and why is he saying those terrible things about me the dustin hoffman film oh pretty decent Uh, it's on youtube for free if you want to ever check it out shell silverstein does the music for that oh correct interesting Um, there's another movie in that same sort of the long giving title tree himself being called it's a Paul Newman directed film called um, the sting. 
that would have been in that time period. And that's a great movie. I think it would have been the same year, 73, that he directed, he directed his wife, Joanne Woodward in the film, the effect of the effect of gamma rays on man in the moon marigolds, which is like this crazy, like depressing family drama about a single mom. It's actually really good. It's, it's kind of a downer. That one also free on YouTube. If you want to check it out, but, I do like those crazy long titles like that. A lot of them were like stage adaptations. So maybe it was like more dramatists were going hog wild on crazy long titles back then. But those are good. I actually have watched some recent stuff. I watched because I, I've been reading some stuff, just people like hyperventilating about prey, just praise about the series called The Bear. Oh, Did yeah. you watch that at all? Yep. I thought it was Good. I, I didn't think it was quite near the the level that of expectation that seemingly was set by the by the um, reviews. Sure. And maybe that's not fair, but I thought it was decent. Um, and I'll probably will watch if they do a third season. I, I probably will. I did have some issues with it, um, but I'm I'm it a couple enjoyable it, to watch it. I'm a couple episodes into the second season right now. But like the first, I thought season, the second season was was a dip. I thought the first season was yeah. was better. No pun intended, because they're doing the uh, Italian beef um, sandwiches, <laughs> which can be dipped at certain times um, if you order it that way. Mm. But um, I thought the first season was better. It seems like the critics thought the second season was better. I, I thought that the direction they went in the second season was distracting from the tone they set in the first season. That was actually one of the major problems I had with it. But sure. I thought it was still decent. Um, how about you? Um, you know, as far as like TV or anything, I'm, I think I'm one of the only people that has Netflix that isn't watching Suits. Um, I've heard that that's like top of the charts for like Netflix. Top of the streaming. charts right now for, for streaming, which, um, you know, it's, you know, I, I know we talked about AMC a little bit earlier, but, um, it's the maker of the Gremlin, the compact car of the 70s. <laughs> the, USA Network, God, did they have some good shows? Like, like, like Psych. Suits. Suits was on Psych, Bird Monk. Notice, Monk. Um, they had just, I mean, what felt like hit after hit. Um, when it comes to uh, shows, characters welcome. Um, and oh. that's what. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, all all of those shows. I mean, I really got into Psych for a little bit, um, but as of as of right now, I'm not really kind of watching anything. Only Murders in the Building is uh, still need to season, check that out. I think for I'd season like three, I'm excited for that. Um, and, or you know, watching that new episode comes back tomorrow. Um, so, or I'm sorry, I did go. All I didn't mean I... to date the uh, date the episode like that, but next. So my uh, office that I now work at took out whoever wanted to go and paid for uh, the office to see Oppenheimer. Did you see that? Or Barbie, which is like the other like double feature that everybody was seeing. Nope. Um, I I can't remember the last movie I watched. Mario movie. That was the first movie I'd seen in the theater in in Arizona. I got the last movie I'd seen in the theater was 1917. Not the year, but the movie called 1917, ah. which came out in like 2019. That's like a that's like an that's Abbott the, and Costello routine there. Like 
<laughs> what'd you see? 1917. When did you see it? 2019. Was it 2019 or 1917? You could have, you could write a decent bit that with that yeah. material, but so whenever that came out, that's the last movie I'd seen in the theater. This one had like the plush recliners. And oh yeah. It seemed like the, uh, they kind of redone movie theaters to make them a little bit more luxury experience. I thought the movie again was sort of middling, um, much too long. Oppenheimer but, or 1917? Yeah. Oppenheimer. Oh. 1917. I liked better. Oppenheimer was like an hour too long. Like they could have easily cut out well, whole swaths like of that film. movie. Yeah, the whole Robert Downey Jr. performance, which I thought was decent, but all of that could have been cut out, I thought, um, and probably for the better. But yeah, so I've actually seen a movie in the theater, which mm. is unusual for me. But. Fair enough. Yeah. Nope. I've been, I've been trying to learn how to code, so I've oh. taken an online class and taken Python right now, and did a little bit of SQL and just trying to. That's kind of actually what's. A lot of my will time. those skills uh, help us get better tech for this podcast? Tech, no. I but feel like it's got to help in some regard. I it could help if I really wanted to apply it, but I got to learn it first. Yeah, just learn like an algorithm. I actually thought like they're because they talk about like building your portfolio and whatnot, and I actually thought of like putting together a tableau portfolio of Minnesota college hockey recruits and where they're from just to kind of see an overlay of like the last 20 years where some of the big recruits kind of came from, um, of all of the Minnesota schools, just, just kind of shame that you can't, you can't feed or you can't use the uh, college hockey stats.net to feed in as your sort of source of all those numbers. If only I would be able a, to a reliable site. Yeah. That had I would that. be able to up until 2021. Yeah. Oh, I right. But to. I mean, that doesn't help us for. No, but day. like some of those backdates, as long as that website's up, I'd be able to access and run a Python code. And, and you probably would just go with, with what, um, like birthplace or like the high school that they went to and played at hometown. Um, so like, like there's always like a little bit of gray area there, but like technically TJ Oshie's hometown is listed at war road, um, in a lot of places, even though he was born in Washington and most of his life spent in Washington. So, but there could be some gray areas there as far as there could be quite a few gray areas. Yeah. Born somewhere else. Like then I'll just grew up the majority of their time somewhere else, but then played high school somewhere else. So there could be some toughies, but yep, that was if you ever get that done, send it over. I'd yeah. be uh, intrigued. Just kind of itch- or like even like in the metro, like if there's a specific area where one college recruits a lot better, or or one country, I feel like we're do pretty well in Finland. You know, you know things like that. So. Yeah, that's all. But like, I have no clue where a lot of like Duluth's players are from. Bemidji's players, I assume all Canada. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So Duluth's probably uh, getting a little bit more of the Iron Range area than Twin Cities, but I'm sure a fair amount of Twin Cities guys too. It'd be interesting if you're going way back. Like, because I I remember a couple years ago when in the Class A section of the tournament, Minneapolis made it. Mm-hmm. It was the first time in 
decades that they had made the state tournament. And that was just how they referred to Minneapolis as in the small schools. In the small schools, yeah. But like you go back to like the 30s and 40s and 50s, you know, it was like St. Paul Johnson, then Minneapolis would have a, a couple of great, you know, th- that would be like the powerhouse of uh, other than like the far north, they would have those. But you can kind of chart how suburbs became the dominant um, yeah. means or pipeline for, for talent. Like you can see when Edina emerged as like the powerhouse and, and then the decline of Minneapolis proper. I think that yeah. would be kind of interesting. And then the rise of private schools, right. the Benilds yep. and the Cretans and, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of those signs. The you gentries. got a good, a good idea there. So. so I don't know. I got to learn the code first. So I'm trying. So that's what I need to do. So anyway, that about does her. I mean, that's two yeah, hours. And again, 30 minutes. We're all barely any news. Yeah. <laughs> any news. Um, couple of weeks though. We'll have some previews, maybe some guests. Uh, maybe we'll get the KBSC guys on. I'll talk to them. Uh, but I think uh, a little bit, um, I think we can get something on the schedule. I know, um, I know and Brian were ta- asking me about it. So I, I think it'd be fun to get them on. Maybe we can trade that in for a, for a plug. Now, I was there listening to the great Huskies Hockey Podcast. Yep. Boom. Just name drop us. Get that on the air during a game this year. Right? Exactly. You could make would... it. <laughs> so, uh, that about does it. Uh, I'm Weldy at More Clappers, M-O-A-R, More Clappers. Sure to hit him up on X through that handle and then if you don't do x you can always email me at uh, huskies hockey podcast at gmail.com i haven't gotten an email in a while so someone send me an email dan jacobson let me know what your summer's how your summer's done been doing what's a review what of uh, oppenheimer yeah yeah there you go i'm sure i'm sure you saw it opening night uh, you double featured it with barbie with so. barbie barbenheimer uh, let me know barbie. where my brief review went wrong yeah. and let me know Uh, Until next time, go Huskies.